This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's give it up for our moms. Moms are amazing, aren't they? We're so, 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 we're so blessed to have moms in our lives. And kids, you know, they say the darndest things, don't they? <laughs> oh, so I, I tell you what, uh, we're thankful for moms and we just celebrate you guys today. How many of you guys got a donut to celebrate moms today? Anybody in here? My dad actually came in and he, I had, I had one stowed away and he was actually threatening to, to eat it. And so I moved it and he said, you don't have to worry about it. I said, no, I'm worried about it, you know, so... <laughs> It's a good day. We've been talking about, uh, we've been in a series called Stronger, and uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been talking about just some of the things that God talks about in his word about ways that we are made stronger. We're made stronger, uh, um, we talked about in, in right thinking and how we obey. We, we talked about that we're stronger when we have knowledge and when we have vision. Uh, we talked about priorities over pride. Last week, we talked about that we're stronger when we go to church. And, uh, and today, I want to talk about being stronger as a family, stronger as a family. You know, uh, kind of our key scripture this, in this series has been uh, Ephesians 6.10, and that is to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, and he, he has made us strong. He wants, us to, wants to continue to strengthen us. He wants to continue to cause us to be strong strong in our families and in our jobs, in, in all of the different areas of life, he wants us to be strong. And, and uh, thankfully, I'm so, I'm so grateful that he strengthens us. He continues to strengthen us. How many of you guys this week felt like, Lord, I need some strength? Anybody in here? Yeah, we all, we all go through different times and seasons in our lives where we need his strength. And he, he's there for us and he wants to strengthen us. But today I want to talk about this, this concept of family families because um because he wants our families to be strong. Uh, I looked at some, uh, some things that mothers have taught us, you know, because mothers play a key role in the strength of a family, amen? And, uh, and, and so I looked up some, some things that they have taught us, some funny things, maybe they would strike a chord, or maybe you have your own thing that your mom taught you, but uh, some things that, that it said is, is that my mother taught me about religion. That is, you better pray that that comes out of the carpet. And maybe you guys ever heard that. My mother taught me about time travel. I don't know, I don't, if you don't straighten up, I'm gonna knock you into the middle of next week. My mother taught me about logic. Because I said so, that's why. Maybe you guys, actually I, I use that one now. I use that one. My, my son, they're like, why? Because I said so. And then my wife will look at me like, really? That's, that's your logic on that? My mother taught me about irony. Keep crying or I'll give you something to cry about. You know, when I thought about that one, it, it, that's, my mom never said that to me. The one that my mom said to me when it comes to irony is when she was getting ready to give me a spanking. I'm standing there weeping, trying to you know, manipulate her emotions and try to get out of the discipline that was about to uh, take place. And she would say to me, this is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you. And then, I, I mean, just a massive, I'm like, that's ironic, because I don't think that that's true. And when it was over with, I'm like, that absolutely is not true. That hurt me way more than it hurt you. My mom taught me about anticipation. Just wait till we get home. 
right? You guys ever heard that? My mom, she, the anticipation that she said was, just wait until your dad gets home. Oh man, those were some of the longest hours of the day. You know, it's like, oh Lord, help dad to just be very, very gracious when he gets home. And the last one is my mom taught me about justice. One day, your kids, I hope that you'll have kids that grow up to be just like you. You know, moms, they, they, they teach these things just because they love us. They teach these things because they want the family to be strong. They want the family to be healthy. And, uh, you know, they're doing what they know to do. They're doing their best. And, and sometimes, you know, <laughs> I'm not real sure why they use things like this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. But, but their heart is right. The heart is, is that they want the family to be stronger. And, and, and I know that as much as uh, mothers want the family to be stronger, I don't know that there's, there's a person that's out there that doesn't want the family to be stronger. Would we all say that we all agree that we want our family to be stronger? We want uh, the family of God to be stronger. And so, um, um, I, we're going to look at a, a, some scriptures today here in Deuteronomy 6 if you want to open up uh, uh, your Bible to Deuteronomy 6. But uh, there's a few things that I wanted to share here, just some things that, that uh, this one um, this guy named Lewis Harris uh, surveyed. He surveyed a bunch of college students, and 97% of them agreed that having a close family relationship is the key to happiness. It's not about it's not about the money. It's not about the career. It's not about any of the other things. Uh, many of these college students agreed that it is because of uh, f- close family, strong family relationships. We need them. We long for them. Um, and, uh, you know, we all need to, uh, to, to have that kind of a family where families are being nurtured and kids are being nurtured and uh, grown up and made strong, you know. And, and so we are a product of our family, uh, what, the way that we think, the way that we talk. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we want the family to be strong because our kids and, and generations to come are a product of that. And so it's important for us as believers to, to uh, understand God, that God wants better. God wants us to grow in family. He wants us to address things. He wants us as individuals to grow stronger so that, that our families can become stronger. Uh, unfortunately, though, America is in crisis. You know, um, there's a sociologist named Carl Zimmerman that did a study on the rise and the fall of empires throughout world history. And uh, he had some characteristics that, that, uh, that he saw in these empires before they fell, one of which was marriage loses its sacredness and divorce becomes common. Traditional marriage and ceremonies are exchanged for alternate forms of relationships. Feminist movements abound. Uh, women lose their inclination for bearing and rearing children. Birth rates decline. You have disrespect for parents and authority and uh, you know when you read this the list is it's very very it's a it's a large indicator of what it is that we see going on today so why do I share that 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 somewhat negative news well the the hope is is that we as believers when we understand God's plan and his purpose for a strong family we are the light in this world we are the light. Our families and, and the church family at large is a light to the world that is around us. We are to be an example of, of what it is that God designed for the family. And uh, 
You know, unfortunately, there's not a magic bullet that's going to fix, you know, family issues overnight. But as we look to and lean on our Heavenly Father, He can help to guide us, direct us, and help us to become stronger. We're, you know, we're all uh, a work in progress. And, uh, but we, you have to remember that we are the one group in this earth. We are the one group in this earth that is commanded to love each other. And so we're that example to that, to the world. We are to model family ideals and and bring life and healing to those that are around us. Those that maybe are from a dysfunctional family. Those that maybe don't have a strong family. We can be an example to them if we understand that and see a value in it and understand that it's more than, you know, just finding a a great spouse. It's more than, than raising good godly kids. Those things are all well and they're good, but he's called us to something more. He's called us to something greater when it comes to being a strong family. We're called to be an example. We're called to lead. We're called to encourage those mothers that we come into contact. We're called to encourage men and and husbands. Even kids, we're called to encourage them and be an example to them so that they too can have a strong family that God designed for them. And so we we have to embrace that, that it's so much more than just our nuclear family. Although he does want us to have a strong family, it's for, it's for the greater good. It's so that we can be an example to those that are around us. There was a husband and wife doctor that did a, a study, a 25-year study, uh, over 14,000 strong families. And, and some of these characteristics, they're encouraging because it doesn't matter, you know, you may be saying to yourself, Brian, I have a strong family. You may be saying to yourself, Brian, my family's not that strong. Well, these characteristics, if you will implement these characteristics into your family dynamic, whether, whether you have kids in the house or you have kids that have moved out and now ha- you're a grandparent, you can implement these characteristics because it's found that in strong families, these exist. Number one, commit to uh, your family as a group. Number two, express a great deal of appreciation. Number three, have positive communication. Four, spend a lot of time together. Five, have a high degree of spiritual well-being. And six, Uh, special ability to cope with stress and crisis. And so when we have these things, when when we endeavor to walk in these things, our family can grow stronger and stronger and stronger. But today I want to look at uh, Deuteronomy 6 because it's, it's really just, there's four principles that I want to talk about when it comes to this, this idea of having a strong family. God's desire is that we have a strong family. And if you remember in, in Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 6, is the context here is, is that the children of Israel had been brought out of Egypt. If you remember, Moses was, uh, led them out and uh, they are on the east, uh, eastern shore of the Jordan River. They're getting ready to go into, uh, into the promised land that God had uh, uh, promised them. But what you have to remember is, is that they failed, right? They, they, they wandered around for 40 years and in, in the wilderness. They, they, they could have made this, this trip a whole lot quicker, but because of disobedience, because uh, they didn't choose to follow after God, you know, God had placed Moses in charge and they just, you know, God said, hey, I want you to follow me. I want you to put these principles into place. I want you to follow the man that I've, I've placed before you and they made the decision we're not going to do that 
We're going to do something different. We're going to go a different direction. We're going to have other gods. And, and the result was is that they roamed around out in the wilderness for 40 years. And all those that were 20-some 20, 20 years of age and under, what they lived and the ones that were over died. Man, can you imagine being like that, that one? Oh, whew, I missed it just by that much. Whew, you know, breathe a big sigh of relief, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and so here they are. They're... they're the first generation is gone, and, 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 and God says to Moses, okay, I want you to uh, uh, remind them again. That's kind of what Deuteronomy needs, means. It's a kind of a second reminder of what it is that, that I said long ago. We're going to remind them of what it is that they need to do, the principles, the ways that I want them to, to, to behave, the actions, the ways I want them to think. And so that's where we kind of pick this up. Moses, teach them what to do. And so in this teaching, we're going to just pull some principles out of it for our family and how it is that we can be stronger. And so in Deuteronomy 6, verse 1, it says, these are the commands, the decrees, the regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Okay, so he's saying, this is what God's told me to say. You must obey them in the land that you are about to enter and about to occupy. And you, note this, you, your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And if you obey all of these decrees and these commands, you'll enjoy long life. You'll have a strong family. That's another way you could save it, say it. And so, so what, what, strong, what do strong families do? Uh, you know, and we pull this point from, from here, and that is, is that strong families honor and obey. You know, we, we see the word fear there, but, but, but really in, the, in essence, it's, it's you're, you're honoring something or you have a reverence for it. You know, it's a lot like electricity. It has the power to kill you, but if you honor it and you respect it, it won't, it, 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 it's, it's good, you're okay, right? And the same thing is true with God. When we honor and obey God, it says that we will enjoy long life. But remember, it said you, right? So I have to honor God, I have to, I have to live for him, I have to obey him. But it also, Moses is telling the, the people, he's saying, I want you to teach your kids and I want you to teach your grandkids. So this concept of having a strong family is, is that when you honor and you obey and you teach it from generation to generation, that's why I'm so thankful for, for this church is, is that we are a generational church. We, are, we, we see you know, generation after generation and that is, that is our heartbeat that we are teaching the next generation to honor and obey God because when we do that, or we, it will be well with us and we'll have long life. And so, you know, sometimes I think though that we look at commands and decrees and regulations and we see a list of do's and don'ts. Like, like, you know, when I was thinking about decree, one time when I was young, my mom, she decreed that I not go outside without shoes on, right? Don't go outside with shoes, without shoes on. Because we had, they, they had dug this hole to add on to the house. And it was another one of those amazing, I told the story last week about amazing tree house that I had built. Well, this was just a massive amount of dirt. And we built all kinds of stuff and have re- swinging ropes and things of that nature. Well, there was shovels out there. And she's just like, don't go out there with your thing she decreed it and it wasn't even 20 minutes later I swung off the rope landed in the dirt cut my heel wide open and so I go limping back to the house and she's like I told you 
I told you not to go out there without shoes. So that's kind of how we look at, we look at decrees and we look at rules and regulations. But, but she wasn't saying don't do it just, just so I couldn't have fun. She was doing it because she knew the danger. She knew the, the, the outcome that could happen as a result of, of not having shoes on. And the same thing is true when it comes to the things that God lays out for you and I as a family, these decrees, these, these commands, these regulations. We, can't, we don't need to see them as a list of don'ts. We need to see them as a list of, hey, you do this, and then your life will, will um, you know, be, you'll enjoy life. It's kind of like, how many of you guys have ever taken a prescription medicine? I, I remember when, when I took prescription medicines, my mom, I, she was a stickler. I mean, just like, you know, did you take your pill today? Yes, I took my pill today. You know, or, or you know, and, and the prescription was, if it was maybe a seven-day prescription or a 14-day prescription, and maybe it was three times a day, she's like, make sure you take it. And I was like, why? Why is this so serious? You know, why do we have to take it? I, I'm okay. You know, I'm doing well. And she's like, well, the, you know, the effectiveness of the prescription is if you take it th- three times a day for seven days, just as the doctor said, and you won't die. She didn't say that, but you tried to drive home the point that it's like, you know, you, you, the, the prescription is to do this. It's, it's going to be more effective. And I think that, that in our lives, you know, if, if maybe, you know, if, if you had something in your life where you were in an accident and you happened to lose, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, the function of your lower body and there was a miracle drug that came out, right? And that miracle drug said, you take this three times a day, you take it every single day, and you will regain the function of your lower part of your body. I think that everybody that is in this room would, would consistently take the prescription and do what it is. They would do the decree. They would do the, the command. And that's really what God was speaking through Moses to the children of Israel that, that, listen, this is a prescription for a life that's a blessing. This is a prescription for, for happiness. This is a prescription for a strong life and a strong family. So just, just follow it. Don't look at it as, oh, I can't do this or I can't do that. No, it's, this is a prescription for, a, for blessing in our lives. And when we honor and when we obey him, we enjoy life. It goes on to say there in the Uh, third verse it says listen closely Israel and be careful to obey then all will go well with you and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord your God and your ancestors just as the Lord your God and your ancestors ancestors promised to you and so he's saying listen listen people listen children listen listen to the principles don't just hear them right? Listen to them. What does that mean? It means I'm going to apply myself to what it is that God is saying, because I I don't want to just hear this. I don't want it to just go in one ear and out the other. I want to listen to it. And so honor and obedience is a prescription for a strong, healthy family. Moses was trying to get them to listen and to understand. And and I know, you know, sometimes with with kids, it's like, listen, 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 listen. Are you listening to me? I, I often hear that probably once a week. Are you listening to me? Do you hear me? My wife actually just the other day she expressed some frustration with these well it was just I guess it's just a bad example of me you know I have these airpods that you put in and you can push a button and you can go to a a place of great peace and and tranquility and I I often use them when we're driving in the car right let's just be honest I use them all the time and uh but she's pretty frustrated because it's like 
no one's, you know, my daughters now have them, and so no one's listening. And she's like, is anyone listening to me? And that's what I think God is probably saying. Like, is anyone listening to me? Listen to these, these principles. Listen to what it is and be careful to obey. Then all will go good with you. So we have the what. How do, how do we have a strong family in honoring and obeying God? Num- there's four ways that I want to look at here. Number one is this, and, and we know this. We looked at it kind of briefly last week, and that is to love God. Love God. It's the first command. It's the greatest command, which is to, to love God. Uh, um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Moses was telling the people, I want you to love the Lord with everything that is in your life. Jesus echoed it to the Pharisees in Matthew 22 when, he's, when, he asked, when they asked what was the greatest command. Jesus said to love God. Love God with all of your heart, soul, and your mind. Now, I brought a, 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 a picture thing. My wife's looking, she's like, she's like what, what is that? And I said, well, it's, it's a whiteboard. And yesterday we were at a graduation party and uh, somebody was talking to my daughter and she's, she loves art, she's really good at it. Well, this, well, this one person said, where did she get it? And, and I was getting ready to say, oh, she got it from me. And before I could even get it out of my mouth, my, my wife's like, oh, she didn't get it from either one of us. So I decided today we're gonna prove, we're gonna prove everybody wrong, okay? No. <laughs> So, you know, we're talking about this point of loving God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. So I'm gonna draw something very, very difficult, and that is a circle. We all know what a circle is. Actually, we could call it a pie. How many of you guys are having pie today for Mother's Day? Anybody in here? A few, a few, yeah. Okay, and so when it comes to a pie, sometimes I will cut a pie with a bigger piece. Anybody else in here ever cut a pie with a bigger piece? I'm the only one that's fessing up. Wow, this is great, okay. And so the thing is, is that this, this exemplifies our life, you know, and, and sometimes we have the area of, of family, we have the area of money, uh, we've, we've got Jesus in this one, uh, we've got our hobbies in this one, we've got work in this one, we've got the kids and the dog, right? And we, 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 prioritize our life in this manner. And, and, and so oftentimes though, that what we do is, is that we, we, we subject Jesus to a piece of the pie. I've got this much time, I've got this much to offer, and I'm gonna give him this much. The problem is, is that as life gets busy and uh, you know, we give less to the dog, we give more to the kids, uh, more and more to the kids, we give more to the job, we give more to retirement, and what happens is, is that Jesus ends up getting kind of squeezed out or he ends up being a smaller piece of the pie. And so what, when, when we read this, 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 this point about loving God, the, what we have to realize is that we, Jesus isn't, isn't relegated to one part of the piece of the pie. What he needs to be is, is he needs to be right in the middle. I've done this before too, uh, where I will dig right in the middle of, of a pan of brownies. Does anybody do that? You take the best piece right in the middle? No? Gosh, you guys are not helping me. Josh Gutta is the only one. And yeah, so, so what do we do? It's the middle. 
And that, when, we, when, when he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, he's, he's saying, I want, I want the middle. I want to be a part of every part of your life. God wants to be a part of your marriage. He wants to be a part of your finances. He wants to be a, a part of your kids. He wants to be a part of your work. And, and, and you know, yes, we need balance in, in the areas of our life and how we spend those. You know, we, we can get off into trouble when we don't have that balance. But, but when we decide I'm going to love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind. We're, we're saying to him, I'm gonna include you in every section, in every piece of my life. And that's, that's what he wants. He wants to be in the middle. He wants to be a part of everything. And when members of the family uh, love God with everything, they're strong. And really, this is what we should be teaching to our kids. You know, as they get older, as they, they come into this age of accountability and they're, they're walking through the uh, life and they're making decisions and choices, as parents, we have to, we have to show them and teach them that, that God is the center. We love God with everything. We don't just give him a portion. He doesn't just play this little piece. No, he's the center of what it is that's going on in our lives as individuals and in and, and our life as a family. And when we do this, we will have strong families. And so... The next point here is found in verse six, and that is, is that you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly. And so number two is commit wholeheartedly. And, and I know that, you know, committing is not always easy, right? I mean, committing wholeheartedly to something is not always easy. I know that there are things in our lives that we try to commit to. One of them that I've thought about is a diet right? There's, there's been times in my life where I was like, okay, we got to get this under control. And so we, we pick this diet, has a lot of veggies, not a lot of calories. And so we commit to it. It's like, I, I got to do something. And so we go down this road and day one's like, yeah, woohoo! I didn't eat much, but I feel good, right? The next day it's like, okay, I got this. I got this. And by day three, it's like, what am I doing to myself? I'm going to die, right? And we, we're off of it and eating way more than we were before, you know? And uh, so I've just committed myself to a vegetable-free diet. That's what I'm committed wholeheartedly to right now. We had, we had uh, the family over for Mother's Day, and my wife always gets vegetables out. And about the only thing that I will eat in that, that, that tray is carrots, but, but what you have to understand is, is that the, the French dip that goes with it, it's kind of like more of a, more dip, more dip than carrot, right? But I did tell her the other night, I did eat my vegetables for the month, right? So committing wholeheartedly, we have to commit wholeheartedly. Being committed wholeheartedly with Jesus requires us. It requires us to be all in. And, and Proverbs 24.10 says that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And we've been talking for, for weeks about the fact that God wants us to be strong. He wants us to be strong in every area of our lives. But if we faint, it's an indicator that we are not strong. And, and we, we have some adjustments that need to be made. He wants us to commit wholeheartedly uh, uh, to to what it is that he has for us. And so, you know, I know that sometimes when we commit wholeheartedly, we can become discouraged, right? On a diet, day two, what am I doing? We, come, we become discouraged. But in life, we can become discouraged. 
Things may not be going as we, we thought that they would. We're trying to take these steps or these principles that God lays out and we grow weary, we grow discouraged. I, uh, there's a verse in Hebrews 12, three that can bring encouragement to you in those times. It's this, it's this. it says, for consider him, right? Consider Jesus who endured such hostility for sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul or in your mind. You know, and so when we come and, and we make a, a life where we are committing wholeheartedly to following God and following his principles, there's gonna be, there's gonna be restrictions. There's gonna be things that come up against us in that, but, but what we need to do is remember, man, Jesus, Jesus endured all of this and remember that Jesus wholeheartedly committed to you and I. And man, if Jesus can wholeheartedly commit to you and I, why can't we as believers wholeheartedly commit to him? That's what he wants, that's his desire. And when we do that, when we commit wholeheartedly, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that's where this infusion of strength comes in. It's like, Lord, I'm depending fully on you. I need your strength, I need your, your help. I'm weary in well-doing, I need you. I understand you went to the cross and you endured so much more than me, I'm asking you to help me right now. And he will, and so when we commit to daily pursuing a growing relationship with Jesus and individually, that's when this strength and this, this strength that he offers comes to us. And so we have to commit to that daily pursuing of a growing relationship with him. Most of our problems in home or in family can be resolved by this one point, that if we would just wholeheartedly commit to Jesus each and every day, Spending time with him each and every day, that's when he can bring about the change. I like what one person says, that our vertical relationship with Christ will determine the effectiveness of our horizontal relationships. So my relationship with God will affect my horizontal relationships, the people that are right next to me each and every day. And so it's so important that we commit to that daily pursuing of him. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, obey my commands. And so the more that we love God, the less that we will act you know, in a manner that is not like if there's things in our lives that we, we want to address, things that we want to overcome. The more that we love on God, the more that he will help us to, to overcome those things and look less and less and less and less like the world. It's, it's, a, it's a progression. You know, we're, we don't have it all together. We're not perfect. But man, we're, we have to be committed, wholeheartedly committed to it. And if we're not, we're going to remain the same for a long, long time. And we, we know in the word of God that we are called to grow. We're called to grow spiritually and progress in our walk with Christ, allowing him to perfect us, amen? And, and one of the people that I think about in all of this is Joshua. And uh, when I think about that, I think about Joshua 24, 15 that says, you remember what he said, and you guys have seen these, I think we had this in our house. It says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. How many of you guys had that in your home? Did, was that in the porch? Where was that? Where the shoes, all the shoes were? I was trying to figure out where that was. It was in between spankings. I saw it in the tears of my eye. <laughs> As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> it's painful. It's so painful. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, listen, I, I, didn't, I did not get spanked that much. I don't want it to sound that way. It really wasn't, you know. And uh, my mom was a great mom. She was just really just trying to help me. I, although I was the first child, so I did get beat more than the other ones. That's just a side point, <laughs> not, not the point. 
She was, she was learning. She was just learning, okay, as a mom. I love you, mom. So anyway, yeah, no pie for me. <laughs> but no, Joshua, remember Joshua, because you think about Joshua, okay, we're looking at a story about Moses and how Moses instructing the children of Israel. They missed it on shot number one. Here they are getting ready to do shot number two. But if you think about when Joshua said this, Joshua said this in, in Joshua 24. This is at the end of his life. He is 110 years old. Now, the children of Israel were, the, the, the context of this was is that they were serving, they were trying to serve other gods. And Joshua said, listen, you have to make a choice. You're either gonna serve the gods of your ancestors, your grandfathers, the people that came before you, the people that died in the wilderness, or you're gonna serve the gods of, this, of the area that we are in, or you're gonna serve the God, my God. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. He made a choice. And you know, when you think about his life, you remember he was one of the spies that went in and he came back with a good report. I, I, I you know, I don't, there might be some math on it, but he was probably approximately 15 to 20 years old when he, when he was a spy and went in because he's 110. He wandered around for 40 years with everybody and watched all of his family members die, right? And then he lives in this land and he gets to the end of his life and he was still choosing God. He was still choosing a strong family. He was still choosing to live by principle. He was still choosing to love God. And that's, that's the example. He was committed. I mean, that's, that's commitment. It actually, in 20, uh, 24, 15, like 10 verses later, he passes away. And so what an example of, of what it means to just be wholeheartedly committed to, to loving God, serving God, and knowing God. Joshua was that person. And the same thing is true for you and I. We need to be wholeheartedly committed. Where, where people can look back on our lives just as we look back across Joshua's life and, and say, man, he did it right here, he did it right here. He followed Moses, he, you know, and then he gets to the end and he's encouraging his family and all of the children of Israel, Listen, choose between, choose between the gods of this world or the God in heaven. I'm choosing him. My family's choosing him. I'm getting ready to go on to be with the Lord. But my children and their children, they're gonna do that. I've taught them. I've instilled that in them. I, my, my family will continue to be strong. And so that's, that's what we need to do. We need to have that, that spirit within us that just as Joshua did, that it's like, man, I am wholeheartedly committed to having a strong family. I'm wholeheartedly committed to teaching my kids. I'm wholeheartedly committing to living my life for God as the center. And then I'm gonna influence and, and be an example to my kids, to my grandkids, to those that are around me, everybody that comes into contact with me, I'm going to, to influence. And so it goes on here uh, in verse seven, it says, that Moses said, repeat them again and again and again to your children. All the moms are like, oh man, I, that rings true to me. I am talking again and again and again. But Moses is saying, hey, repeat these things again and again and again to your children. Talk about them when they are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Are you guys get, catching this? It's the center of your life. Everything that we do, when we get up, when we're in our home, you know, Jesus can't just be on Sunday morning. 
well, we're going to church and we're talking about Jesus or when we're driving away from church, what'd you learn at church? No, it needs to be something that we're doing every single day. We're talking about it. We're, we're, we're rehearsing it with, with our kids because number three is that we need to be an example in word and action if we want to have a strong family. Repetition is the motor of learning and, and Moses told the people repeatedly again and again and again and and so we too need to be uh, 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 having repetition with our kids, repetition in, their, in, in what it is that we believe, what it is that we know in, in teaching them because it's our example of our word and our action over and over and over again for our kids. The other thing is, is what we talk about. Talk about the things of God in your home and around your kids. Uh, you know, if things are going on, there's, there's challenges that you're, that you're facing, don't, don't, don't keep that from your kids. You need to talk about it and say, hey, we're dealing with this. This is the verse of scripture that I'm standing on. Lord, we just thank you that you're meeting the need or may, maybe it's a, a, a health-related thing. We're just trusting you. Show them through your example and through your words and talk about it. You know, uh, one of the things that we developed here, oh, what's this, in March? Beginning of the year. We, we did this thing called 412, and we're doing it for our kids, and uh, um, Basically, there's 11, not, yeah, there's 11, um, this one doesn't count. There's 11 uh, things that they have to accomplish. So they, they say the Old uh, Testament books of the Bible, the New Testament books of the Bible. Uh, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. There's a bring a friend. There's getting someone, uh, leading someone to Christ. Uh, there's, 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 11 of them. And what's so cool about this, I, I, I asked them for these things, and it's based off of 1 Timothy 4.12, and you guys know this verse, and I'll read it. It says, don't let anyone look down on your youth because you're young, but set an example, right? Set, we're gonna set something and we're gonna be an example to other believers in speech and life and love in faith and in purity. Devote yourselves to scripture and be diligent to these matters. And that's really what 412 is all about. And what's really cool about it is since March, we've had 23 kids participate in 412. And uh, 10 of them have recited the Old Testament. All of the books of the Bible. Can, can, you, guys, can you guys all recite the uh, Old Testament books of the Bible? Eight of them have done the New Testament. Um, 19 have recited the Lord's Prayer. Uh, four have recited Psalms 23 in its entirety, without looking. They, they didn't open up the Bible, no. These, they're remembering and they're, they're uh, uh, doing these things. Uh, three of them have recited 1 Corinthians 13, four through eight. Five of them have brought visitors and three of them have led a friend to Christ all since March. Yeah. It's so cool. I, you know, um, and it, we have these Bibles that basically they're reading through. That's one of the objectives is to read through the Bible. This is a great Bible if you have comprehension issues. Uh, I'd encourage you to pick up a, a copy of this over in the uh, kids department. It's really, really good. I've read it with Will and it's like, wow, I love how this is written. It just helps you to comprehend. But that's beside the point. Um, but but th this is one of the things, and um, it's just so cool to see this example being set for our kids. And so if you have kids or if you have grandkids, this is really, it's a take-home uh, objective. It's where we're trying to, just as Moses taught, we're trying to get uh, this example, uh, the learning, the, 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 the spiritual components into the other six days of the week where we're being an example. 
you know, where we're talking, where, we're, where there's repetition. And I think that, you know, as we take our kids through that, it's a great uh, um, uh, help to them, but to us also. And, and as much as our kids are doing this, I think that even uh, as believers, we should never stop doing that. We should never stop learning and growing and, and, and being this example. And another thing that we should do when it comes to being an example in word and action is to pray together. And that's one thing that, that we've done in our home, that if, if something's going on or if there's a help issue or somebody does not feel well we we immediately like we just we just say okay hey gather together this is what the bible says it says that if any two of us agree is touching anything it'll be done and so we lay hands and we we gather ourselves together and we pray for that person why because we want to show our kids this example and in word and in action and, and and allow them to to see it but why don't we pray? You know, that's, that's one thing that you hear sometimes people say, hey, I'll pray for you. You know, we've gotten into the habit that if we say we're gonna pray, we pray immediately. Because what happens is, hey, I'll pray for you. And then it's like you get down the road a, a day or a few hours, like, oh shoot, I forgot to pray for them. But why don't we pray? It's because that we believe this lie that our prayers won't make a difference. And um, you guys know that John eight forty four says that uh, Jesus said this, you know, the devil is trying to tell us, he's trying to tell us that, that our prayers don't matter. But Jesus said, you belong to your father. This is speaking of the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. And he was the murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. And for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. And so when, when, when we're at home and we have, we come up against these we're trying to walk in these principles. The enemy is gonna do what he does to try to keep us from walking in those principles. He's gonna lie to us. He's gonna say you don't know enough. He's gonna say you don't have enough faith. He's gonna say that your prayers don't matter. He's gonna give you all of these reasons why. But we, we have to understand and know, man, he's a liar. He's trying to, to keep us from walking in these spiritual truths that Moses was laying out so that, that we, so we don't have a strong family. And he can do that just by simply deceiving us as to the effectiveness of our words, as to the effectiveness of our actions, as to the effectiveness of our prayers. We know that James 5:16 says that the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great powerful or great power and wonderful results. So maybe you write that that scripture in your Bible. When you're getting ready to pray, you need a you know, you need reminded that your prayers have power and they have wonderful results. So there will be results when you pray. And, and so we have to just understand that prayer is powerful in your home. In, 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 and it's inviting God to be a part of what it is that's going on, and it's, and it's saying, Lord, we need your help. And saying, God, we're expecting you to bring change about. And you'd be, you'd be amazed that a two-minute prayer with your family would have a life-changing effect. A family that prays together stays together. Pray for each other. Pray with one another. You know, and, and that's my challenge to you this week is, is that if you're not a person that prays, take a minute, you know, whether, whether it's on a drive to work, maybe pick a time in your day where it's like, hey, I don't really do anything, I'm pretty mindless, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna pray. Pray for your spouse, pray for your kids, pray for, for what it is that's going on in your family. Lord, I want you to strengthen my family, and he absolutely will. You know, what's amazing in, in all of this uh, when it comes to being an example 
you know, that this point that we're on to be an example in word and action is, is that, that there was a study that 66 to 70% of young people, they leave the faith. And the, of those three reasons, the number one reason that they gave is they don't see it lived out in a radical way in the home. They don't see it. They don't see the example. So, so unfortunately, what they see is we're just going to church for this Sunday. We're just going to church on this Wednesday. And they don't see God the rest of the week. And, 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 and it said radical. I'm not saying we have to be completely radical and, and out, of, out of just to drive our kids away. No, we just be just very calm, very understanding, very like just natural that, man, talk to God. You don't have to be religious in the prayer, in the time, in, in what it is that you talk about. You might get it wrong. There's times my kids come to me and they ask me a question. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out. It's okay to, to, to just show that example to them so that when they get older, they don't step away from the things of God. Strong families love God, they commit wholeheartedly and are examples. And so we need to let our kids see us reading the Bible. Let your spouse see you reading the Bible. Uh, let them hear you discussing you know, questions that are difficult, things that are difficult. Uh, let them hear you talk and deal with tough situations. Because why? We're being an example to them. We're showing them in word and in deed what it means to follow and principle our lives after the things of God. And so that leads us to the last point here. And Linda, you can go ahead and go up. Deuteronomy 6, 8 says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead. I joke with my kids sometimes, you know, about, you know, taking a Sharpie and actually Stephen Kay's daughter was trying to write on me the other night with a, with a uh, Sharpie and I was, I, I was getting ready to pin her down and then her dad gave me this look like, don't do that. And so I said, okay, but uh, I was going to write on her forehead and that's what this is saying. It says, tie them on your hands, write them on your forehead as a reminder we need reminders. We need to remind ourselves. Maybe maybe it's a sticky note. Maybe it's uh, something on your wrist. Maybe, I don't know what it is for you, but we need to remind ourselves because we don't have to spend a lot of time in this, but when you read through some of these stories with the children of Israel, really at the end of the day, you see the word forgot a lot. You see God tell them you forgot me. You forgot this, you forgot this, you forgot this. And, and, and really, this fourth principle is, is to keep God's principles in front of you. That's really what this is all about. It's like, man, I'm gonna keep the principle of loving God. I'm gonna keep the principle of I'm, I'm wholeheartedly following him. I'm gonna keep this principle of being an example right in front of me each and every day. I'm gonna keep it in front of me, keep it in front of me. You know, maybe it's a notepad, maybe it's a, a, jo a, a journal that you have where you have a, a couple sh uh, sheets in the front or in the back where you're writing things and principles and desires of your heart where, where each and every day you're looking at those things, why? To remind yourself. Remind yourself of what it is that God has shown you. You know, one of the notes that I have in my, in my phone is the Holy Spirit to me. And man, when he speaks to me, man, I, I go in there and I type down what it is that he said. And it's so, it's so cool to just kind of scroll back through what it is that the, the Lord has show, shown me and shared with me. Some of them have been encouraging. Some of them have been, you know, more corrective in nature. You got to love those. <laughs> it's like, oh gosh. But why? It's to remind me. Remind me because he wants he wants me to be strong. He wants you to be strong. He wants your family to be strong. And so we have to keep those things in front of us. 
You know, a few things I just want to make you aware of here as we go is that, that there is no perfect family. I know sometimes, you know, when we, we look at the word and, and, and we make these principles, some people can, can grow discouraged because they say, well, my, my family isn't picture perfect. It, maybe it doesn't have the dad. Maybe it doesn't have the mom. But, but what, what I can say is, is that God's principles, it works in any situation. Whether there's a mom, whether there's a dad, whether there's a mixed family, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If these, these principles are worked out in your life each and every day, the, 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 the quote-unquote picture-perfect family can become a reality. It, it, it may not be ever be perfect, but man, it can be good. It can be godly. It can be strong as we, as we implement these principles. Number two, Rome wasn't, wasn't built in a day. So family repair and restoration is going to take time. As you begin to apply these principles to your life and to your family to strengthen it, you have to understand there's gonna be days where you, where you celebrate victory and days where it's like, ah, tomorrow will be better, right? Three, every family is a system. So you develop that system of honoring God, loving God, being committed to him and, 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 and allow it because, because the, the problem is, is that even in positive change, there will be resistance. The enemy, we've talked about this, that he has strategies. And so as you take a step forward, he's gonna push up against it. If you make a stand and take a stand as a mom or as a dad or as a couple to your kids or, or, or in a situation, there's gonna be resistance, but it doesn't mean that God's hand and his blessing and his strength isn't on you. No, he wants you to continue to live that principled life for him. And, and finally, we desperately need courage and each other. That's what family, and we talked about this last week, that, that coming together where his presence and his power and his people are at, our families can be stronger together when we gather together. I'm better when I go to a small group. I'm better when I get together and serve with other people and other families, and you too are. So, so, so don't pull away. It's all part of, of, of God's plan to make us stronger, to make us better as individuals and as, as family members. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today. We thank you so much for your word. Father, it, it has the power to change and make us strong. And so, Father, today we just commit ourselves as families to be that example to those that are around us. Father, if there's things that are in our lives and, 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 and systems that are in our lives, uh, practices and habits that are in our lives. Father, today we just, we leave those at the cross. We leave those before you. We cast them on you and say, Father, you care for us. And Father, we need your strength in our lives to walk out these principles that Moses laid out for the children of Israel. Because Father, we want strong families in our church. We want strong families in our neighborhoods and in our communities. And Father God, we are to be an example to those that are around us. And so I just pray, Father, that as we go from this place, Lord, that we would make the necessary adjustments, make the necessary changes, Father God. If there's correction that needs to be made, I just thank you, Father, that you're speaking to each and every person that's here today as to what that looks like, what they need to do. And Father, we, as we make those changes, as we make those corrections, you'll bring blessing. You'll, you'll give us long life. You'll bring strength to our families. And we just thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, we, we wouldn't want to 
miss this opportunity that if you are a person that you know Jesus but you're far from God, today is the day to make a choice to come back and be in right standing with him. If you're that person and you say, Brian, man, I'm, I'm, I'm way off base. Just with your uplifted hands, say, Brian, that's me. Just say, I want to come back and renew and, and rededicate my life to him. If that's you, you can raise your hand and put it right back down. Is there anybody in here? I see that hand. Awesome. And two, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to uh, be in right standing and in a relationship with him and you say, Brian, I don't know him as my Lord and Savior, but I want to know him. Just say, that's me and put your hand up and you can put it right back down. Is there anybody in here? All right, well, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray together with this person that responded because we're a family, right? We're a strong family. And so we're gonna join hands and join our faith with this person. Father, you can just repeat after me. Father, we just thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sin. And today, we just confess our sin and we repent. We thank you for your love and your mercy in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.